For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. This month's sponsor of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this month's sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different because I've asked my good friend in this month's uh, podcast sponsor, Mike Volkoff, the CEO of the Volkoff Law Group, to come on and talk about what I think has been the biggest lesson that certainly I have learned uh, this month of uh, one month more to a more effective compliance program, and that is that business ventures are different animals than sales agents, commission sales agents, representatives, or people that generally help you sell products on the sales side of things. So we've talked about joint ventures. We've talked about franchises. We've talked about distributors, teaming teaming agreements, partners, um, strategic alliances. Those are really different. And so uh, Mike has written on this, and he's thought about it a lot. So I thought it might be fun and certainly a little bit different um, to shake things up a bit to ask Mike to come on and really help us understand why uh, business ventures are different from agents on the sales side. So, Mike, with that somewhat long-winded introduction, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to uh, visit with this very unique topic with us today. Well, uh, thanks, Tom. It's always a pleasure to work with you, and um, I've really enjoyed uh, the series, and I've enjoyed, uh, we're very proud to sponsor uh, your activities, obviously, uh, we think the world of you, and uh, we think that you make real significant contributions to sort of the compliance environment, and particularly in this area where I think that there has been less attention paid to it. Um, and I don't, I, I, I guess I can't figure out the reason why, because we always hear about the classic sort of agent you know, sales agents role in, um, in anti-corruption compliance. And there are so many other types of ventures where, you know, I think when the justice department or sec applies certain criteria that they may fall within the, you know, area where these people could be, or these arrangements could involve, uh, additional risks that are created for, let's say, company A that's setting up, you know, relationships with other entities. So, and, and the first, and 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 it, for whatever reason, Tom, I don't know. It seems like we, in I haven't seen many sort of joint venture enforcement uh, cases. And then, but back in like 2010, 2011, and 12, we saw a lot with Panopina. The, and uh, some of the other ones uh, in terms of 
you know, joint venture enforcement actions, Bonnie Island and other things like that. So, you know, actually, Mike, we've had a fair number that have come out of China where a U.S. company enters the Chinese market. They have some sort of relationship with a Chinese company. They enter into a joint venture relationship and then they end up uh, buying out the Chinese partners so that they uh, actually bring the joint venture into the company. And the uh, unfortunately, by that time, the corruption is so established and ingrained that it continues. And it's, uh, as I like to say, it's no longer them doing bribery and corruption. It's now you doing bribery and corruption. But really, you, right. you, you point out the differences uh, in a great series you had on joint ventures. And you said that there were both inside risk and outside risk. So I thought maybe you could explain what those risks are and, and really how those are different than a sales agent. Uh, well, that uh, and I've, I've actually found that joint ventures are, uh, depending on how they're structured, can be really complex and difficult compliance um, projects. So, for example, uh, uh, let's say Company A is American, you know, with the A for America, and Company C is a Chinese uh, state-owned entity, and you know the likelihood of forming a joint venture with China is very high because that's the price they usually require, uh, usually to get access to your intellectual property. So here we have a joint venture of A and C. And what I like to, when I look at a joint venture with a state-owned enterprise, there are what I call inside risks, which are what is the nature of your relationship with the joint venture? How do you interact with the joint venture partner? Um, and I don't think you, you know, we can't apply the traditional third party due diligence risk management of the agent or distributor model because here people could make, um, they could look at how is, how first of all did the joint venture come about? What is the role of the state owned entity? What are they contributing to the uh, joint venture? And the last thing that you want to have is a joint venture that's founded on one principle, which is, okay, we're bringing in the state-owned entity, and they're going to grease the wheels for us with every government agency we have to deal with. That's going to be their expertise that they bring to us. Well, we got to be really careful in setting that up from the beginning because hopefully they have more than just their ability to get things done throughout the government in China Um to the joint venture, because by its, by definition, then at the establishment phase, you're creating risks in terms of why you're even bringing them to the joint venture. Because I don't want to have a joint venture partner that's just based on go and make sure that nobody in the government gets in our way. Then you have so you all you have to look at how was this created? Why was it created this way? What were the incentives of everybody, and what were the roles that everybody was going to take on with regard to the business operation. So let's say you have a 50-50 joint venture. Then you would have a situation where the joint venture itself, let's say the new entity AC, has what kind of decisions are they going to make? Are they going to retain third parties? Are they going to retain uh, distributors? Are they going to use lobbyists and consultants to facilitate the joint ventures operations. And then look at it in this situation where let's say we're equal 50-50, I can't, I can't give up the control of my joint venture 
to allow the government entity to hire their to hire agents they want to hire, hire distributors they want to hire without my having input or my having the ability to say no. So many of my clients who have joint ventures with high risk and you know with government entities in high risk countries, one of the things we have really uh, insisted on is that they have control. And so they may have 51%, they may have three out of five management seats on a, a management board, but I want my client to have control because I don't ever want to cede control to a state-owned entity or to even a, a high-risk partner who then can make decisions on behalf of the joint venture because then I get, like I think you know your reference early on, I could end up having liability created by my inability to stop certain transactions and allowing them to go on and sticking with the joint venture and not terminating my relationship. So I, I that's a long-winded way of saying this is incredibly high risk that requires more than just third-party, you know, risk management strategies because you need to get into the guts of the business how it operates and how it's going to operate and how it was created and then how is it going to operate? And that's the way I divide this sort of sets of risks. So that's right. And, and, and I think, I, I think it's really difficult, Tom, because, um, you know, then you run into like, you know, local restrictions in certain countries where, you know, they have to have the joint venture partner has to have 50% ownership at least. You know, sometimes they even say 51. So, so that, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, that really hits for me, Mike, what I think is the really big and important distinction between business ventures and third-party sales agents. Uh, certainly, you still have to do your due diligence. You still have to do your background investigation, all of the steps leading up to the contract being signed. But that's where I think it differs because you have a much bigger governance role in a joint venture or indeed any other business uh, venture, whether that be teaming partner, strategic alliance, right. uh, distributor, uh, franchise uh, relationship. You're going to actually have to govern and be a part of both in terms of the controls, but also in terms of the uh, contractual rights you have um, to detect, prevent and remediate. And that's where I don't think a lot of companies are really uh, – they don't have that baked into their risk management process. So uh, that was one of the things that really um, uh, struck me in doing the research that's a, podcast series this month. Yeah, that's a, that's, a good, that's a really good point in the sense of I don't think that we have – I think the controls that, we, that I've seen people put in place in joint ventures tend to be very immature in the sense of it's like, okay – if there's bribery, we can walk away from the deal. But what about audit rights? What about looking at the books? What about what if they what if they use the um, what if they use uh, the joint venture as a means to funnel bribe payments through it? You know, uh, it there's so many risks that I can think of, and to be honest with you, it's hard to to uh, address all the permutations in advance. You know, you can't use just the standard reps and warranties that we've seen a million times. You have to get into how is this business going to operate? Who has control of the money is always critical. 
And, you know, there has to be, the by definition, there has to be something that the state-owned entity or the, let's say, Chinese entity is bringing to the table that's got to be of value to the joint venture. Once you see that area of value, then that's an area that becomes a bribery risk because it's going to relate to something that's critical to the operation of the business. And that's what um, that's why it's much more complex. And the, your whole notion of business ventures and the kind of risks that can get created are really um, it's a very, it's a much more complex area than people think. I think at first glance, you know, and and you know, like I've seen it in. I haven't been involved as much with teaming agreements or strategic alliances, but I do, I've had sort of business development type of strategic alliances. And, you know, those can get into areas as well, particularly with, you know, well-funded big companies getting together and doing strategic alliances. So I worry about that. The other area where, and I think this is, I've always thought that there should be more attention paid to this area is the franchise area because we, you know, I've seen people like try to categorically say franchisees or franchise, I mean, franchises can never raise third party risks, you know, or things like that. You can't make a categorical judgment as to by putting a label on it. And you have to look at the nature of the relationship between the parties in a franchise. And I've seen such a variety of franchise agreements, you know, that I don't think I can think of franchise agreements that don't raise as significant a risk. And then I can think of some that I've seen where I thought there were real risks in terms of, um, you know, them being the franchisee being categorized more as a agent or somebody under your control um, as the franchisor. So that's, I think, in all of these situations, outside of the classic agent and distributor situation, I would say in general, we have to take a real hard look at the nature of the business venture, how it's operating, why the people have gotten together, and then look at the intricacies of the business and sort of apply um, you know, traditional risk analysis to it. And I think you come up with very different types of issues than you do with the classic sales agent. So, Mike, um, this has really been an interesting exploration for me. I think that you've absolutely hit on hit on it that many compliance practitioners uh, have not thought through the specific risks of business ventures as opposed to uh, sales agents or uh, representatives on the sales side of things. I hope that uh, this month's podcast series and uh, you're talking about it, you're being on this podcast and your sponsorship will help uh, facilitate a discussion that maybe people will begin to think about uh, more of the issues and more of the risk and perhaps put a better risk management strategy in place. So I wanted to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and giving me your thoughts and I look forward to continuing the conversation in another forum. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you again for joining me for this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program around business ventures, and I hope you will join me for our next episode tomorrow. Also, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, for sponsoring this month's podcast series. This 
podcast series on 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.